Good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to the old in and out I'm Dr. William Schimmel, and I'm going to introduce my co-host, Brian Dewan. Good evening, Brian. Good evening. How is it everything up in Catskills, New York? Well, it certainly is a beautiful evening. I can imagine. And uh, it is very beautiful here all the time, so I never get tired of it. I can imagine. I can imagine. Uh, um, I've been reading a little bit about you, actually a lot about you, and you've been doing some pretty exciting things up in that area. Uh, can you tell us? Can you tell us more about them? Oh gosh! Well, the thing that's most immediately on my plate is uh, I'm preparing an art gallery show at a place called the One Mile Gallery in Kingston, New York. And uh, that will open on Saturday, June 9th. Ah. Uh, and the opening is from 6 to 9. But I'm still making the stuff for it. Uh -huh. So I made a lot of stuff. It's mostly works on paper. A lot of it involves some musical notation. But it's all kooky. And it's part of a picture. I saw a little, I saw a little bit of it, and it looked really, really great. In other words, it, they almost look like... Uh, those graphic scores. I mean, they, they look like paintings you can actually play. <laughs> Don't you think so? And, well, some of them you can kind of play, but of course you can play anything. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if you, want to, if you want to look at it that way, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, yeah. Uh, so I haven't even really so much used the notation to record a musical thought to be reproduced. Sometimes it is, but sometimes yeah. it's just about notation as a visual thing or even kind of taking the aspect of notation that has a life of its own and taking the ball and running with it and it kind of ditches the function. So it's sort of the antithesis of form follows function. The, the function uh, can sometimes fall off the back of the truck and then it goes entirely into a flight of fancy. Well, uh, what I saw, I really, really thought was exciting. And uh, can you tell us again when it will be and where? Oh, yeah, it will be on the 9th of June, which is a Saturday, mm -hmm. in Kingston, New York, at the One Mile Gallery yeah. and uh, on Abiel Street in the Rondout section of, of Kingston. And they have a, a website with all the info, which is onemilegallery.com. And then I'm going to do an art show very shortly after that at Bard College and have a bunch of drawings and some vitrines there in a library. Uh, so we're going to start installing that on the 11th. I don't, we still haven't decided when the opening reception is. But, uh, and I'll do a performance there on June the 30th uh, around this library. Uh, oh, gosh, I can't think of the name of the library right now. But it's been nice to work with some of the people at Bard College, which is 25 minutes south of where I live. That's right. And uh, it's um, so that's pretty nifty. I'm looking forward to that. And that show will be up all summer. And I'll do a number of performances with uh, showing some film strips and some singing. And there will be some auto harp and certainly some accordion. Uh huh. Uh, uh that's that's rather rather exciting. When, uh, as you're talking about it, when you mentioned the library, yeah, uh, you know, back in 
when I was growing up, uh, and in accordion and culture in general, for a number of a number of years, and perhaps it's much different today, but for a number of year for a number of years, it it prided itself almost in uh, in beautiful beautiful misspellings and misinformation, and uh, for instance. Uh, Maybe it's not limited to accordion culture, but it's maybe 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 limited towards certain groups of people who, back then, would be more likely to take up the accordion, and that culture went along with it. For instance, you didn't go to the port authority; you went to the port of authority. You know, and all of a sudden, like it became the port of authority. Whoa, <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's so funny. I don't know which came first. Yeah. Was it that it's called Port Authority, and then people referred to it as the Port of Authority, or um, does it start as of authority, and then you drop the of? Yeah, and but you know, the, when it when it's of authority, oh boy, you're in a place that's you're at the Port of Authority, you know. Well, then the authority modifies the noun port yep. as opposed to it's being the authority that has jurisdiction over the port. Exactly, and then of course the there's light. Uh, yeah, yeah. What you're saying? It's like the tunnel of love. Exactly. The port of authority. Exactly. And the library. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you remember that? <laughs> oh, yes. I think I even remember when I was a little kid, I remember saying library. Course, we all said library. And I remember, you know, uh, saying library, and uh, my mom used to respond. With library lie, stick your finger in your eye. She had a little polka. Wow. That that went along with it, and eventually it became sort of an accordion accordion oriented polka that I used to play. Library lie, oh stick your finger in your eye. Library lie, oh stick your finger in your eye. This kind of thing. Well, it's so funny. And of course, today it would probably be banned. For being too violent. Exactly. exactly. Stick a finger in your eye. eye. What? Yeah. What? You're saying what? <laughs> what? You go to jail for what? telling somebody to stick their finger in somebody's eye. And also, we, we, we fell on the payment. <laughs> you, know, you know, we fell on the payment. Yeah. And uh, we visited what? the, we, you know, what were you saying? Uh, we, we fell on the payment. <laughs> oh, I love the Umpire State Building. Lord made the world well, that's even a whole different so good. kettle of fish, too. You know, instead of the word that's so been good. a little bit simplified with the continent so good. and excluded, it's just about the word, and therefore the whole idea. In fact, I don't know how old I was when I first thought of the idea of the Empire State. Right. But before I heard of the Empire State, I heard of the Empire State Building. And before I heard about my kids, heard not the Empire State Building, but the Empire State Building. There you go. There you go. God 
kind of like uh, what you say for all intensive purposes. And leaves, made all the fruits you know, and vegetables. And makes you want and, you know, it's a Hear and obey. Somebody says it, and even without comprehension, you know what it kind of refers to. Without realizing it has nothing to do with all good the Lord I, made the I, world I, and he made it so good and he made it out of love <laughs> <Lord> made the <laughs> animals every kind with fishes and the birds that fly made so many when I look at them makes me feel twenty <laughs> and first of all, this was a time when Bernstein Lord was made a dead. man and a lady to made them to reflect his love, made them so wonderful he planned a way to lead them into hell. so good the lord made the world and he made it so good the lord made the world and he made it so good and he made it out of love all of a sudden you start liking the mistakes and all of a sudden they start giving you another meaning and that meaning all of a sudden starts taking on its own life and its own culture and you realize that the culture is becoming some sort of meme around you. Give an example that, you know, even though Leonard Bernstein was dead, uh, he represents the New York Philharmonic. Okay. And New York City, well, New York City is New York City. Sympathy is, of course, having sympathy for our instrument. On the other hand, what that person really said was people were complaining about not enough accordion in symphony orchestras or symphony orchestras, not, you know, not enough accordion out front. But if you put the accordion in the orchestra, the accordion automatically becomes an accordion section. <laughs> and so there was a kind of intelligence behind that. And all of a sudden, the instrument becomes an accordion section uh, worthy of being called a principal. And maybe even getting principal pay. I get principal pay now because I go into accordion orchestra. I go into symphony orchestras. I may not sit in the front row. I may become, you know, part of the accordion section just by being myself. But I'm now regarded. I'm now regarded as a principal uh, because the accordion can play a multifunction. It's not just a single melody instrument. Get it? And, uh, well, not only that, but unlike the piano or an organ, yeah. because you have uh, a keyboard element, but then also the bass note and chord matrix, you know, that is a whole other can of worms. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, and that also brings up um, a topic that I can remember you brought up to me uh, some time ago, 
that you were interested in what you referred to as the illusion. Right. And I don't know that we ever talked about it analytically, but I felt like I knew just what you meant by that. And that it, uh, I was into that. And also how the accordion, now that you mention it, is a section, even if there's just one person operating it. It is right. a plurality. Right, right. And, and uh, unlike a, a conventional keyboard instrument, even an organ where you have uh, two hands that can operate different manuals and, and a, a pedal keyboard as well, the accordion, with its bass note and chord matrix, is like this funny little rhythm section that has its own purpose, its own duties that the left hand is given, which is a different uh, division of labor than what the right hand is given, unlike the piano, right. unlike the organ. Right, right. And, yeah. You have that division of labor, division of function, and that with the, with the the chords united in single buttons and positioned the way that they are, it is this whole funny force field of chords over there, and, and that it is a, a kind of a section, and it implies a, a plurality of some kind that has somehow been distilled, even boiled down into the design of the instrument. Well, there you go. There you go. I, uh, I think you said a mouthful of, 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 of good information. And that, that incredible information you just said came out of what would be misread as misinformation. <laughs> well, even just the source of misinformation has to do in a way with visions. Yes. And, uh, and that this whole other concept comes in to substitute what had first been there, but it gives birth to this new creation. Like when you talk about the sympathy orchestra, and not only that it's this hotbed of sympathy, but that there's a concerted effort behind the sympathy. And before you know it, then you have an empathy orchestra. There you go. And then, that there, yeah. there are many different uh, personages and talents behind it to make it go, to make the whole thing work. And you know, that, it's sort yeah. of like a, yeah. like a colossal dragon puppet that takes several people to... Hello? Hello? Are you oh. there? Yeah. Yeah, there was a call waiting uh, noise. Ah, all right. I think it looks, like we're, st it looks like we're still on. And, and, oh, that's and, good. And whatever you were saying, you know, keep, keep, keep on. I think I, think, uh, I am... Uh, I am I am infatuated by this. Yeah. I remember seeing at PS122 yeah. a very interesting comedian, uh, Chinese-American, who grew up in Chinatown in New York. And uh, he gave this wonderful monologue about some of his experiences growing up. And he said, uh, I grew up hearing people talk about the unscrewable Chinese unschoolable yeah. yeah and uh and then he said how he his goal was to leave the the confines of new york's chinatown and become the chinese star of his own american tv show yeah yeah i like it I yeah so uh yeah interesting to think of of this 
the sympathy orchestra, the empathy orchestra. And the orchestra of compassion. Yes. <laughs> you know. And, and yeah. that uh, it and many people make it go. Now that's that's that that goes without saying, and uh, we're going to make it go this summer at the seminars. And uh, our twenty fourth year, our seminars are going to take place on July twenty seventh, twenty eighth, and twenty ninth at Tenry, and uh, we're going to talk about empathy and compassion there. Uh, and the various degrees of it. That's one of our that's one of our topics, and, uh, and we're also going to talk about uh, uh, ruthless compassion. And uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a saying that was that was said by that uh, you know uh, now deceased Tibetan guru, Jagam Trumpa, uh, and he called ruthless, ruthless compassion. That's when Perhaps you have a teacher or a master who will put you through the paces that may seem painful or unfair. Uh, you know, like that hard teacher, that hard teacher that just puts you through the paces. Yet at some level, he's really your friend, or he or she is really your friend. Yeah. In the long run. Oh, that's wonderful. I have not heard that phrase, but it's an excellent phrase. It really is. And, uh, you know, and that person at times might even become an absolute pain in the ass. But at the same time, you know for a fact that that person has your back. Well, then, you know, that really cannot truly be a pain in the ass because no, no. that's just describing the distress that comes from somebody telling you what you don't want to hear but need to know. Exactly. So that's not like being a pain in the ass, like somebody just being... A selfish irritant, but they may appear to be when they when 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 you know the the student or the uh, person on the other end might say, "Boy, oh boy, that person that person is really an irritant." You know, he's making me crazy. Then in the long <laughs> then in the long time, yeah, you, know, you know, and so that so that that teacher is using is using ruthless compassion on that person because he wants that person to really really succeed, and uh, and. We're going to mention that because we're going to do a lot of work this 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 year on on education and teaching and and it's something that the accordion doesn't have enough of the accordion community. Uh, people need new. Um, I think I think the entire teaching community needs that, but the accordion community probably needs it even all the more uh, because there's a vested new there's a vested new interest in people taking it up. Number one. There's that aspect of the whole thing. And at the same time, uh, people are looking for, teachers are looking for, and people are looking for new ways to, uh, or new old ways to, uh, you know, to learn and practice the instrument. And either by themselves or with the help of somebody. And so uh, we're going to cover a lot of ground for the entire weekend, including Accordio Dalcros. Uh, you may have heard of the Dalcro system. Assist, a system. No, I, yeah, I, yeah. I have not heard of it. It's a system of eurythmics, of actual movement exercises. And uh, since the accordion is an instrument of movement, of motion, uh, we're going to apply some of those techniques 
that will facilitate certain aspects of flow and performance. And we're going to have a Dalcro certified Dalcro's person with us uh, that will take us through some of those paces. And that should be, should be interesting. And um, then we're going to talk about aspects of basically just uh, various levels of, of, of uh, as you mentioned, empathy and compassion and those aspects. It's, it's not going to be so much I teach it, you learn it, and this is what you should be doing here, then, and there, because um, no one size fits all. Of course that. So it's... Uh, uh, you know, one size fits one. And, uh, you know, one size fits one. And I think that has to be, that has to be empathized over the, over the weekend. And uh, there you have it. That, that's just uh, a little teaser in a nutshell. And, Brian, I know for a fact that you're going to be doing some interesting things. Uh, you're going to do it Sunday. And you, uh, Sunday, you're, yeah, I mean, Brian's our, Brian, to, to, to the audience, I'm saying to you, Brian is our closer, uh, and being a closer, being an opener, is very, very important to us, because for the weekend we want to send people send people home. Uh, you know, in the in in the right in the right spirit. Number one, it's a weekend of incredible information, and then at the same time, if we send people home packed with all that information in their head, uh, you'll probably, you probably won't make it home. You'll probably, you know, <laughs> and so what we do is we assume that the people show up. Uh, we, we encourage, you know, the people to show up dumb and then get smart <laughs> and leave dumb again. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and uh, go through that, you know, and I'm saying it in a jest form. And, and so what Brian does is he gives this tremendous humorous jolt at the end of each weekend. And this year, with my suggestion, he's giving us some, uh, on the accordion and voice, some Tom Lear, which, which we, the accordion drastically needs. And can you tell us a little bit about some of those Tom Lear songs, Ryan? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, Tom Lear was certainly a very big influence on me when I was a kid, as he was on many people. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember, well, the first thing I heard of him, I was probably 12, was the album that was The Year That Was, which was, you know, more kind of political satire uh, recorded with a live audience. But later I heard his earlier records, which are just himself in a living room with no audience. And I felt like those were the most magical of his records. And the songs also were satirical, but less um, about party politics. But I felt like, you know, for a satirist, he was really quite a spellbinding storyteller and very efficient in what he did. And his stuff was very funny. Uh, and was a nourishment to me growing up. And uh, But I especially liked when it's just you listening to him alone in a room, because when it's a live recording, you hear the audience laughing, and sometimes he has to vamp until the 
laughing goes away for him to get into the next verse. Right, right, right. And that's okay, but it treats it more like comedy. And yet I feel like what he does is more interesting, not as comedy. It's more, to me, it's more satisfying to have a direct connection to it without there being a sea of people responding to it and laughing. Uh, it's far more than like com- it's far more than comedy that, that that it is. It's far more than yeah. And he, uh, I read an interview with him that must have been conducted in the nineties. That's mm-hmm. online, uh, and in it, he said how um, uh, you know how times change, and how in comedy, you know, he was saying, well, you know, the, the taboos in society do not go away. They just move somewhere else and his example was he said uh today in comedy as far as language is concerned almost anything goes when i was a young man there were words that you couldn't say in front of a girl now you can say them but you can't say girl Hmm. that's that's quite a mouthful uh really and um and the thing i i also find fascinating about what you going to do and what we're translating here in the weekend is we're going to add another dimension to that and of course that's the the accordion dimension to all that then then all of a sudden all of a sudden the the accordion culture gets fused with the tom lear culture what do you do with that (laughs) you know you know i mean you know i'm not saying i'm not saying i'm not putting you on the spot i'm saying it as as a general question what do you do with that yeah, well, it's funny to think of how, you know, the accordion, well, at least in the context of the, the Tom Lear world, is that, um, you know, for him, the piano was the yeah. instrument he to accompanying exactly. himself singing. And, you know, mostly the way I use the accordion is, um, you know, I do instrumental music with it, too, but my focus is more as something to accompany singing uh, and that it is this accompaniment. And now we're back to the whole thing about the the rhythm section and the, the whole section that is contained in the accordion. Right. And here again, the accordion is the box, uh, the magic box that has the music in it, and the performer makes it go. And then people conflate sometimes an accordion with a barrel organ. Right. That the organ grinder is kind of interchangeable with the accordionist, the person who has a music box a musical box, the box that has the machinery that that pushes out the music like a strainer. You're right, Brian, and you know, and of course, you know what the name of our weekend is. It is thinking inside, inside the box. That's right, thinking inside the box, and that's exactly exactly what you're saying. <laughs> There's a whole world in there. It may be finite. It is contained. But there's a world in there. Yes, and in, for the entire weekend, we are going to explore what is there inside the box. <laughs> uh, you hear all this talk about thinking outside the box? Well, we're going in the box. Well, of course, I love the embrace of going in the box in... It takes the the Mickey out of the idea of the idea that thinking outside the box itself becomes a cliche. What when it becomes the box? 
Well, and yeah. this is a thing in life. It's like, um, you know, I remember, I don't know if you ever read the book The Culture of Narcissism by Christopher Lash. It was written in the 70s. Yeah. He was an interesting essayist. I remember a lot of people were put off by him because they didn't read the book and they assumed he was some sort of neoconservative who was trying to stop all the groovy fun. But really, he was a Marxist. And his whole thesis of all of his essays was kind of about how uh, the American culture of narcissism is the product of late capitalism. Yeah. So it was yeah. sort of a Marxist societal critique. But there was an essay about ironic detachment as an escape from routine and about how it can be very freeing when you're oppressed by some routine that ironic detachment can you know, help you to to escape this oppressive thing. But then what when ironic detachment becomes the routine? Ah. And I like these things where the, you know, the object in question, you know, can, the nature of it can change. Uh, you know, and this is true of, you know, avant-garde art movements, you oh, know, sure, something that sure. starts as like, you know, the, the thing that's against the grain uh, and everybody is, is freaking out about it becomes the convention, becomes what is embraced by everybody. So I like the the inside outness of the potential for things always to invert. That uh, that the idea of thinking outside the box itself can become a kind of a box. And people say this phrase, and after a while, it's like hearing four legs good, two legs bad. Right. Exactly. And you want to subvert it and take the mickey out of it. And then you turn on to the neglected joy of the infinity within the small, confined space. And, uh, and when, you, when, when you add the Tom Lear to that, uh, <laughs> uh, and you sing, like, you know, one of the songs you're going to sing, of course, is the famous The Old Dope Peddler. Yes. Now, The Old Dope Peddler comes out of a series of, uh, and Tom Lear explains this, that a series of songs that had, uh, that uh, uh, one, one, one in particular, the old lamplighter. And, yes. Yes, uh, and it was about this, you know, kind old lamplighter who would light the lamps at night, to, uh, you know, to make sure that the lovers who were there had light, you know, by, you know, by the parks, and, and he was called the old lamplighter of long, long ago. And uh, how he would light the lamps and and so forth, and this wonderful, wonderful, fuzzy, warm quality to that song. And he takes that wonderful, fuzzy, warm quality of that song, and he put and he shifts. Of course, he shifts the context drastically, <laughs> as you well know. Uh, and and it's sung like a choir boy, you know. <laughs> That's right, and it, it treats the the dope peddler as the quaint, beloved, <laughs> curious Dickensian figure, yeah, is beloved by all and familiar, yeah, and therefore unthreatening, yeah, and and uh, and he's spreading happiness. He's spreading happiness and joy and powdered happiness. Yeah. Well, it's funny because now that brings us to American folklore, you know. Uh, the legend of Johnny Appleseed, yeah, who I think is based on a historical figure, but uh, I didn't know, of course, until my adult life that the whole point of 
the story of Johnny Appleseed is he's planting the apples so that you can enjoy hard cider, and he's he's bringing hooch to the multitudes, spreading joy. There you go. That everyone can have their hard cider. There you go. Have their hooch. There you go. He is beloved and celebrated. Yeah. And uh, generous. Well, yeah. And the seminars again, July 27th, 28th, 29th at Tenry, Thinking Inside the Box. Three days. The master classes are 3 p.m. The concerts are at 7. And uh, I'm going to play a little something. Uh, ironically, I don't have any accordions here in this room. I'm going to play something on the melodica, uh, something I had written. And I'm not going to give away uh, the, uh, the source. It's a reality. And those of you know that I p compose realities, pieces on other pieces. And I don't have a title for this. And perhaps any of you out there or Brian or whatever can help me title this piece. Uh, but you may recognize the source. And here it goes. That was now untitled. Uh, does anybody out there know the source I'm using here? I, I did not detect a source. Uh huh. Well, I, I mean, I can sometimes, uh, 
I can think of some things that may pop up in my brain, but I would have no idea well, that, if that's what you were thinking about. That's a good start. That's a good start. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, because sometimes I was just tuning into the major sevenths and the 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 wonderful harmonies, but then some of the rhythm made me think of Mendelssohn's Wedding March. Well, you're close. You're close. I mean, that's a that's a that's a good start. It really is. <laughs> And uh, obviously that that fanfare notion, of course, you yeah. would you would find that, of course, in Mendelssohn, and, and but also many other things oh, as yeah. well. Yeah, of course. And but you know, and for me, it was the uh, at least from my sense of reference, it was a the opening of the, of the Tchaikovsky Fourth. And uh, so, for me, Tchaikovsky was the, the source of, of, of particularly this piece. Now, I didn't want to call it, you know, Tchaikovsky's Fourth by Bill Schimmel. I've done things like that. I have a, I have, I have a Brahms Fourth by Bill Schimmel. I really do. And, uh, and I was wondering, what would you title a piece of, of, of this, Brian? What would, what would a title, what, you know, the first thing in your mind... What 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 would you title it? Oh goodness, I uh, if you have one. I don't yeah. I don't know. It's um uh the challenge of titles is that you really want it to be something that captures the essence of it. Yeah. Which is hard to do with things that are abstract sometimes. Yeah. Unless and, of course it you know harkens to something Outside of an abstraction, you know, like if it, you know, hence the wedding march, you know, right. you think of this whole context, this wedding, this narrative, as opposed to something that doesn't really have a narrative attached to it. Right. And, uh, well, so far it's called Untitled. And <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's not too bad. <laughs> I don't know if you ever read, there's a novel by Martin Amos called The Information, and in it the protagonist writes this novel called Untitled, and he's trying to get all these people to read it, and nobody can ever finish or read it because they become ill. Oh, my God. Now, that's not my intention uh, for, uh, in, in, this, in this little little piece. I don't know why a little piece like this would... Would, would 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 do that uh, 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 I mean you never I mean, look you never know but but uh, uh, <laughs> well I feel like in that novel it was really more about the idea of a, a the ideal of a novel that is so abstruse that in order to attain the ideal it becomes something incomprehensible to readers yeah uh and so it was this funny thing that it was, you know, an ideal. And of course, you know, we never see what the text is to the novel, Untitled. Mm. Well, then there's always the thing with Untitled that, you know, you can't get away from not having a title because then that becomes its title. That becomes a title. Even, and you, you, you try to prevent it, but you can't prevent it. Yeah, yeah. It's like putting up a railing, but people just slip right under the railing. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
Well, you know, Untitled minus the Untitled. Um, well, I'll uh, I'll ponder it. So you know, so far it's Untitled. Maybe that should be the uh, the title of it. <laughs> but my reference, my reality on it is, uh, you know, it could be Untitled Reality. Um, because again, to me, it was a reality on the opening of at least the opening of Tchaikovsky's fourth, and even that da 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 da. And you know, there's da 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 you know, in the Tchaikovsky fourth, there are all the melodies of the, of the Tchaikovsky fourth, yeah. And yet, from my listening, of course, yeah. I didn't have that frame of reference at all, and I really enjoyed the piece without of having any frame of reference. And, uh, you know, it's so funny when you think about when you hear, say, a piece of music that is sung in another language that you don't understand. Right, right. And you don't even know that you're missing all of these things that were put in it because you are satisfied that it has all these other properties. Absolutely. That you don't even need it. Absolutely. Even though it would be nice. Absolutely. But that everything is like that in the end. In the end it is. Everyone gets different things out Absolutely. of the same thing. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and we pick up some things that other people don't pick up, and other things pick up things we don't pick up. Absolutely. And then we project things onto it, and everything is turned inside out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And on that note, what are we hearing of yours, Brian? Well, uh, I'm not sure yet. Uh, yeah. Now, I don't remember. Did I give you... Um, uh, the uh, Faith song? Yeah, yeah, we have that. That was last time? Yeah. Huh? Okay, well then I might, uh, I might, uh, I might send the Creation song then. Well, that sounds right. It sounds right apropos of what we're talking about. Yeah, and that's a, uh, a collaboration with my friend Jean Heiberg. Uh, she wrote the lyrics, uh -huh. and I wrote the music and did the recording. That's great. Great. Uh, I'm be very, very, very anxious, and I'm sure our audience be very, very anxious to hear it. Well, all right. All right, and I'm going to sign off. It was a delight, Brian, uh, that we could get together and have this radio show. And uh, thank you, uh, Brian, and uh, uh, we wish you the best in your up-and-coming exhibitions. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, it's always a pleasure to do the show, to yeah. do the old in and out. And, uh, and again, thank you for visiting us tonight in the old in and out. And we're saying good night and God bless. This is Dr. William Schimmel and my co-host, Brian Dewan. so good the lord made the world and he made it so good the lord made the world and he made it so good and he made it out of love god our father made the world filled it full of wonderful things sun and rain moon and stars makes you want to God made the 
flowers, God made the trees, filled them full of branches and leaves, made all the fruits and vegetables, makes you want to thank him on your knees. The Lord made the world and he made it so good. The Lord made the world and he made it so good. The Lord made the world and he made it so good. And he made it out of love. Lord made the animals every kind. Made fishes and the birds that fly. Made so many when I look at them. Makes me feel twenty miles high. Lord made a man and a lady too. Made them to reflect his love. Made them so wonderful he planned a way to lead them into hell. so good. The Lord made the world and he made it so good. The Lord made the world and he made it so good. And he made it out of love.